Hey girl, ready for another week to shine, sparkle, and slay? Just like every week, we'll be learning how to build confidence and business skills so you can show up as the person you've always wanted to be, but didn't think was possible. Get ready to shine by breaking out of that low self-worth. Sparkle when you realize just what you're capable of and slay by holding each other up. I'm Stephanie Rodriguez, and this is the Shine Sparkle Slay podcast. Let's get started. Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to another episode of the Shine Sparkle Slay podcast. We have got an amazing guest for you today, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you guys. You know, we're all about talking about empowerment. Burnout is one thing that we haven't talked about too much on the show with guests in the past, but it's something that I've mentioned through my own personal journey and kind of what led me to where I am today. So when I learned that she is an expert on burnout, she has a lot of great advice to give us on that topic. I could not wait to have her. So without further ado, we are going to talk today to Dr. Mary. She has over 25 years of experience as a self-employed businesswoman and consultant. 15 years ago, she experienced burnout firsthand and crashed hard. That one's tough. I did as well. At the time, she didn't have the necessary tools or resources to navigate the difficult period in her life. So she panicked and ran away to the other side of the world. Now she is wholeheartedly committed to supporting women who want to transform the way they show up in this world and experience thriving health, happiness, and purpose, utilizing the tools of energy medicine chiropractic, functional blood chemistry analysis, and positive psychology. That is like amazing. I cannot wait to talk to you and dig in more. There's one, and we're going to get into your background and all that stuff. So I'll pass it over to you to kind of fill in. But what I'm most interested is the statement that I just read, you experienced burnout firsthand and crashed hard, and you didn't have the necessary tools or resources to navigate the difficult period and you panicked and ran away to the other side of the world. What does all of that mean? What was going on then? What, where, did, where did you start and how did you get to where you are today? Stephanie, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for having me as a guest today. It is sincerely my honor. And quite honestly, our alignment in, um, I believe it's a mutual passion, is both of us want to empower women to step in to be their fullest capacity of what they're here on this earth to do. So um, my honor, sincerely, listeners, I can't wait to get to know you better. So um, Stephanie, I am going to answer your question as directly as I possibly can. But in order for me to effectively communicate how I got to burnout, I need to start from the very, very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. So bear with me. I won't take too long, nor will I bore the audience. But I want to share with everybody that I was born hearing impaired. And when I say hearing impaired, it means half of the normal hearing capacity as to what a normal hearing person would hear. And I went undiagnosed until the age of three. Oh, wow. And so what that, yeah. So what that meant was the first three years. Now I can say this now as a mature adult, I didn't necessarily know at that, at that, at that time what I was experiencing, but I lived in this world, um, kind of like this no man's world, you know, the realm of spirituality. And so I learned that there was a much bigger energetic element as to how to read people, how to sense emotions, how to perceive communications. 
So it wasn't until about five or six, I think, when I first got my first hearing aid, where I finally understood that when somebody was communicating to you, there was context behind it. There was meaning. There was substance. So that was a pretty big eye opener for me. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. And I was mainstreamed in all of my education, but I was an overachiever. I did not want to be pegged the hearing girl or the one that had the disability. Mm -hmm. So both of my parents were educators and we had the resources to supply me with the necessary uh, tutors and coaches and speech pathologists in order to make it feel as though I was just a normal kid. But that perfectionism and that drive to overachieve was very deep seated. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Very much so. So when I went to undergraduate school, um, I went to a university in Illinois and I studied chemistry and zoology. So I got really heavy into the hardcore sciences. And then three days after I graduated from my undergraduate school, I ended up in chiropractic school in St. Louis, Missouri. So here I was, 21 years old, and finally, for the first time, I'm surrounded by a group of people that are talking about the body's innate ability to heal itself, mm. right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in the right place at the right time. I get to utilize some of the skills that I learned as a young girl and perhaps desensitized as an adult. And so I went through um, my academic training, and by the ripe age of 25, I graduated. Wow. Okay. So I'm still really embracing this overachieving model, right? You know, I'm fine tuning it. And then I decide at the age of 25 that I knew it all and that I had to go out on business um, for my own. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, I mean, I can look back now and how naive I was and overconfident (laughs) and ego driven I was. I mean, it was terrible. (laughs) So Nonetheless, I moved forward, I charged forward, and um, I opened up my first practice was a 200 square foot um, room in an the back porch of an old Victoria a Victorian building in downtown Colorado Springs. I had enough money to to take um, to buy a uh, to go to the thrift shop and buy a ta- a desk or a kitchen table, and I used my portable adjusting table that I had purchased in chiropractic school. Mm. So I I was there for 18 months. And then I moved to a, a larger facility. And let's just say that this was approximately 1,600 square feet. Mm. And then I built it out, custom built it out so that I could have a wellness center. So then all of a sudden, I was promoting not only myself, I was promoting also a acupuncture, neurolinguistic programming, massage therapist, active rehabilitation specialist. So it became something rather large in a short amount of time. Yeah. I stayed there probably about another, I don't know, seven years. Then I decided to purchase a larger building, right? If it just wasn't enough. So the story goes on and on, Stephanie. I'm so So, following. I'm relating to everything you're saying. Oh, I just one thing after another. I mean, I went from that built out of the space. Then I was like, okay. Then I became consultant. And then I started uh, teaching other chiropractors how to do startup businesses. And then I'm like, I need to have multiple businesses. And then all of a sudden, Stephanie, I woke up and I realized, quite honestly, I was busting my bum to cover an overhead, not only my overhead, but the salary of multiple doctors and a large staff. Mm -hmm. I 
was miserable. I can then I st- Oh, absolutely. Miserable. It's a lot. There, it sounds no. great, you know, to, it sounds wonderful, you know, from the outside to, to own this large business and employ all these people and have this wonderful facility, but it's a lot and it takes a toll. It did. And it, and it crept up on me. So here I was, um, maybe between the years of 30 and 35. And I was like, okay, you know, faced with the dilemma, should I start a family? Because I don't think that I can, you know, bring a small person into this world with the demands that I have. And, you know, then I started to realize that, wow, maybe I can't have a child. So my body was starting to shut down and my hormones, I went through an early onset of perimenopausal symptoms. And so my hormones started to shut down. And then I realized that I was going through a complete adrenal exhaustion. Mm. So um, I tried desperately, Stephanie, to ignore my body. And I did to a certain extent. And that was, um, there was a big price to pay for that. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, I um, went through a tremendous amount of um, physical ailments, everything from an acute disc blowout within my neck to a rotator cuff collapse to a bunch of mental issues that went along with it. And finally, my husband sat me down one night and he said, honey, I love you tremendously. But if something doesn't shift, I'm fearful for your health. And I'm also fearful for our marriage. And so he planted the seed. He's like, what if we could leave it all? And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And, and that's when I turned into a hot mess. And I said, there's no way I'm leaving and deserting my baby, which was the business that I had created, to move to the other side of the world. And the more I sat in my misery, the more I sat in the depression and my discomfort, the more I realized that I had to make this choice. And so my husband um, landed a job in Ho Chi Minh City, and it was in the middle of the year. It was very surprised. And he said, well, they want me to start in 45 days. And I was like, what? Mm. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, we know that we've been kind of paring down. We, We knew that something was coming up. So can we sell what we have and move forward? In 45 days. I know. And somehow, some way it came together. And I got on that plane to Ho Chi Minh City and I knew that my dog was in cargo and was being shipped to to Vietnam with us. And I literally, I just was beside myself. I had no idea what the journey had in front of me. But when I landed and I sat there for about a week, I just went through a huge identity crisis for the next year. I didn't know who I was, what I stood for, where I was going, why I was even on this planet. So before you moved, is that what you did? Did you sell everything? Like you I did. Oh, wow. That had to I be, did. I, ha- I, I mean, had I had to, so tough. I had to tear the bandaid off. Oh, God. And I had to tear it off fast. Right. So when I, I mean, it was a hard, it was a hard landing. And so when I say that I blew up my world, I did. You absolutely and, did. But I just had no choice. I felt like I had no choice. So I was interesting that I wish I would have had some advice, not a few months back. So not too long ago, you said your body was telling you something like you knew that you had hit burnout, your body was telling you, but you kept ignoring it. I know I personally did the same for a very long time. 
And I know that a lot of other people do as well. And I still don't know if I know exactly what it was. I'm sure my body was trying to tell me. I mean, I knew emotionally I was feeling some kind of way, but do you have like any advice? Like what are some of the things that our body might do to tell us like we're at that point? Well, let me describe the typical lifestyle that I see people that are experiencing burnout. And then I'll talk about some of the physical symptoms. And that is, we are the type of people that get up before the sun rises. And somehow we intravenously get that caffeine within our system. Then we get to get up and go and we run and then we have our lunch. And then afterwards, after we have our lunch, we crash there's a, there's a downward um, blood sugar issue. So then there's a need for some kind of sugar about three o'clock in the afternoon. Then we come home. Typically, it's after the sun has already set. We have our dinner. And then let's not lie. We have our wine. We have our dessert. And we have our escape mechanism. We have our Netflix. We have the internet. We have TikTok. We have whatever it is that we, that we use. So we know that the alcohol is going to allow us to get to sleep and to fall asleep because we have a racing mind and we can't turn it off. And there's a certain element of anxiety that we end the day because we know that it's going to start all over the next day. Mm-hmm. And so you're the- so spot on <laughs> it's <explained> my life. <laughs> And and you can do this. I mean, it's sustainable for quite a long time. Quite I, honestly, I did it for probably a decade or more. And what happens is that we start to pay attention to the subtlety. The physical body will go through an emotional and physical exhaustion where we just feel depleted, where we don't feel like we have that get up and go and we're tired all of the time. Meaning that if you do have the luxury of taking the nap in the afternoon, you're asleep like within three minutes. It's just like you close your eyes and your body shuts down. The other thing that happens is the subtlety of the hormonal shifting. So the adrenal glands are so intimately connected with the negative stress feedback or the stress response that happens physically within the body. And the adrenals, if you're not aware, are part of the endocrine system, which regulates your hormones. And under a short burst of stress, they are designed to puff up. Your adrenal system sit, they're kind tiny little glands that sit on top of your kidneys. And under a short burst of stress, they burst, they, they puff up. And then what ends up happening under chronic stress, they shrivel down and they stop producing. They stop producing your epinephrine, your norepinephrine, your DHEA, your cortisol, just to name a few hormones that are affected. So the endocrine system, when you think about it, is so beautifully, intimately connected that if one endocrine system begins to shut down, it unfortunately affects all the other endocrine systems. So if your adrenals go down, then it's going to affect the the pituitary and the the pineal gland and the thymus and the thyroid and, you know, just to name a few. Right. And so then all of a sudden we start getting blood sugar imbalances. We start getting the weight gain, the fatigability, the inability to digest our foods properly. Those are some of the physical symptoms that show up. Mm, Gotcha. I can relate to some of those. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
You know, Stephanie, I want to take this time to share that when I um, I just got done doing a boot camp that was all about trying to shift from burnout to balance. And I think the biggest aha that I witnessed with the women attending was once we identified the three different components of burnout, then the women were able to kind of identify where the source of the burnout was coming from. That's and so- key. It is because so many people think, well, why is burnout just classified typically for successful women mm-hmm. that um, per successful professional women and burnout doesn't have to always come from a job specifically. It can come mm-hmm. from our home lives Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And that's empowering for women to know. And we started talking about, and this is what where I was going with this, in that the researchers in science has proven us or shown us that there are three different components to burnout. And we've only talked about the first one, and that was the emotional exhaustion, mm-hmm. that sense of physical depletion. But the second component, they they coined cynicism. And basically, that is a distrust or feeling pessimistic about the organization in which they work. They no longer believe in the product or the widget or the gadget that they are sur- that they're selling because of the organization. Mm-hmm. I am I'm loving what you're saying and I can't wait to hear the third cuz so far I felt the first two. So okay. and then the third one um is going to be talking about professional efficacy. Not efficiency, but efficacy. So what they mean by that is the belief that you have the autonomy and the ability to complete the task that's given in a deliverables, like your deliverables as to what you provide for the organization. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there are management issues. I, you know, maybe there are top-down constriction, and you know that you have the skills to do what it is that you're that you were hired to do, but perhaps there's uh, a ceiling or a cap or a limitation is or walls that confine the boundaries of what you can how you can apply your skills. Were you like listening in on me? Like, I don't know, six months ago, nine months ago, because you just hit like everything that led me to where I am today. Everything that you just mentioned are all the things that I was feeling, but I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. And I'm usually the most like optimistic person on the planet. And I think just like starting to understand that I was becoming very negative and I was seeing changes like that in myself, but I didn't identify it. I didn't peg it to, oh, this is burnout. I just knew like, I just don't feel like myself. And then over time, it started to become clear that I'm done here. So those three points that you just mentioned are exactly what I went through just a few months ago. So you nailed it. Absolutely. So this was the other aha. I want to share one more thing about what I learned from the group of the women in the boot camp was that When we start to look and identify the various different components of the emotional component of burnout, so you're talking about your sense of lack of Mm self-worth, your confidence, feeling somewhat lonely or isolated, or maybe um, you just feel, again, your your pessimistic or cynical attitude that you had. And what happens, Stephanie, is that that emotional response 
runs very parallel to um, your stress response, which we know is happening chemically within the body. But the emotional response is very, very similar to trauma responses that we may have lived through previously in our lifetime. So we don't get to be this age as women without experiencing some trauma. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, any of those elements, but there's a trauma. And again, back to our childhood that gets programmed within our body. So here we are going through this negative feedback cycle of the, of the, of the stress response. And all of a sudden we're being emotionally triggered to where we're no longer safe. We're no longer, you know, whatever the identity is for the women. And it happens hand in hand and it gets so deep seated really fast. That is so fascinating. And this is exactly why I love to do podcasting because I get to meet interesting people such as yourself. And I get to learn so much all the time because all this that you're talking about is so fascinating. I, you just don't think about how all these things are interconnected and things from our childhood that, you know, were why wi- are wired into us. And then we start feeling some kind of way as adult and it's just all related. Like I could read up more on this a lot because I just think this topic is just so fascinating. Yeah, it's hot right now. There's so many Americans and people worldwide who are saying enough is enough, you know, with where I have been, you know, obviously there's a silver lining that I'm talking about as we are post pandemic or getting to the end or somewhere towards the end. People are like time out, you know, it's a great resignation. I surrender. I'm no longer doing things the way that I have done them in the past. I see the toll and now I've experienced that there's another way to do things. Mm -hmm. So I do think that more people, both men and women are starting to really look at the core root of their unhappiness and saying, how can I shift this into being, you know, shift from just surviving to thriving? They want to embrace, they want to embody, they want to experience happiness because life is too short. And that's what COVID has shown us. That's interesting because I've been reading a lot of articles over the last few months about what you just stated, how a lot of people are taking a step back and making life changes. And if they're unhappy, they're doing something about it. There's a lot of people that are doing career changes right now. And, and all this has, is coming you know, at, at the heels of at COVID. So once that's over... Do you have any insight as to why you think that is? What is it about COVID that's making us now take a step back and make changes in our life? Yeah, I think that for the first time in our lives, we were forced to go inward. We The external stimuli were minimized. So our ability to distract ourselves was minimized. And so unfortunately, and again, a lot of people were uncomfortable having to go inward and to spend time with themselves and their immediate family. And so I think it created time for self-reflection. Very good point. That's very true. Before COVID, we were just go, go, go all the time. It was nonstop. There wasn't any downtime. And then once COVID hit, you're right. We were walking around the neighborhood more as a family talking more. Everyone had, you know, their alone time to do whatever. And a lot of time for me, that's thinking because I like to think and I didn't have as much think time before that. So that's interesting. I I stay busy now, um, but I had read articles about that. And that was a question that I was wondering is like, why now? So I had to pick your brain on that. And that's an excellent answer. I think you're right. I'm not invested in being right, but that's just my observation. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. It's one of those questions that I've been meaning to research and I hadn't had a chance to yet. 
Okay. So you took us to, you, you walked away, you sold it all, you moved. So where are you now? What is it that you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. So when I decided, I, <laughs> I guess my habit, my, if things get tough, I want to run. So when we landed in Vietnam, um, I ran down to Bali and completed my yoga teacher's training certification. And I fell in love with meditation. Mm. So then I came back to Vietnam and I did more studying and more meditation. I, for the first time in my life, I had time on my hands. And so I wanted to go inward. I wanted to create that self-reflection. I realized that I knew the human body extremely well from the neck on down, but there was a little bit of mystery that was happening within the uh, the brain itself. And that led me to uh, a training in upstate New York and no, in upstate Massachusetts in Lenox, Massachusetts. I decided to do a certification in positive psychology under Talbin Shahar. And um, learned a tremendous amount about the science of happiness and how we have um, choices that we can make within our lives in order to to shift, you know, our happiness level. But what was most fascinating for me with my science background was understanding the neuropsychology behind meditation and learning how the brain is wired and how we have uh, control over the neuroplasticity of remodeling our thought patterns. And that was absolutely fascinating to me. And so when I would go back and forth from Massachusetts to, to uh, Vietnam, I started turning my husband on to some of the theories and the concepts, and he got really turned on by it. And Tal Ben-Shahar said one thing, if you want to make an impact utilizing the field of positive psychology, you can make an influence in the corporate world, you can make an influence within the educational world. And so um, we decided to take the messages of positive psychology and created a nonprofit organization to teach teachers the tools of positive psychology so that they could bring mindfulness, gratitude, resilience, um, grit into the classroom by role modeling um, as a teacher. And I love that. Yeah, it was really meaningful work. And what happened in this transition, we moved from Vietnam to South America, so we were now living in Bogota, Colombia. And um, what something really interesting happened. I thought the program was going to take off here in the United States. Well, that's not what happened. It took off in Latin America. So as fast as I could create the content, it was translated into Spanish. And so these communities were so thirsty for this knowledge so that they could shift the evolutionary or the generational uh, to teach the younger kids so that the next generation had more social intelligence and emotional intelligence and things like that. I love that. Yeah. And when yeah. did all this so, start? How long, when did, it, when did you guys start this program? Uh, let's say 2015. Okay. So it was taking off in, in South America. And then we did yet another move. Um, we left South America and we went back to Bali, Indonesia, and we were there for a year. So then I had the tools of positive psychology. Then I came back and in Bali is just a beautiful place once again to go internal and do a lot of meditation and a lot of yoga. And I got reconnected with the energetic realm of, you know, the subtleties of the electromagnetic field that surrounds us and that is within us. And that's what prompted me to go and study at the Academy of Intuition Medicine. So 
you know, as you can tell, I'm gathering all these tools, right? And mm -hmm. I'm implementing and integrating at a pace and which is really organic. And then the academy taught me how to tap into the intuition and to once again, understand the neurology of what happens within the brain when you get into that default mode network within the brain where you can actually rest and let go of some of those looping thoughts that we carry throughout the day to receive additional information. So my recovery, my healing of the burnout journey um, required more you know, experiential education to be able to physically embody them to see the shifting and the changing. So now what I'm doing is holding space for women who, let's say, are 40 and above who have or are currently undergoing burnout, but they desperately want to achieve health, happiness, and purpose. So I'm taking the years of experience and all the tools that I acquired in my burnout journey and putting it in a concise and in a kind of a program, a reproducible program. So that's how I'm showing up in my strength today, which allows me to utilize not only my, my nutritional functional blood chemistry analysis and also my positive psychology and my energy medicine. So we're diving deep into the belief system of women as to where did they pick up this perfectionistic, you know, um, neuro programming? How can we override that? How can we make some major mind shift changes so that we no longer, uh, we look at happiness and the definition as being more broad spectrum, not just in relation to our professional success. Mm -hmm. So I love this. Do you work on a one-on-one -on -one basis or is it a group basis? Both, both. Okay. The, the program that is launching come this August is um, specifically designed to elicit behavioral changes. So there is a group component. And then there's a one-on-one -on -one component. So it's bespoke, it's customized, it's individualized. And then the length of the program is for five months so that we can walk through all the various different paradigms and to create that transformational shift. So that's a group program. And then I also do packages of one-on-one -on -one energetic healing. And then I also do one, which I utilize my medical intuition. And then we also have programs for one-on-one -on -one for those people who are looking to analyze their functional blood chemistry analysis. I love the work that you're doing. I think that it's, it's so great that you took everything that you've learned over all these years, all of your experiences, and you're using that paying it forward to help other women. Um, I just think it's a great thing. I love the work. So kudos to you. Thanks. Thanks. Isn't Thanks, that too. what we want all women to do? You have no idea. That's what I preach all the time. <laughs> That's what I would love to see is women empowering other women that I just think it would be a beautiful place if yeah. we all did that. We all have a special gift and, or some something unique about us that we could share with others and just keep building up the community. That's so true. And I think the first step, Stephanie, that you're talking about is literally identifying what one's own strengths are. Mm -hmm. Because once you have a sense of ownership and that's who you are, the holistic aspect of who you are and what you represent, then that's when you can bring it to an organization or bring it to a group. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I believe what, as women, once we figure out and identify what our strengths are, then the ownership I and mean, how we can deliver it becomes next. Mm -hmm. So, so spot on what you just said. 
you are a busy lady. I could talk to you for like at least another hour because I think this topic is so fascinating. Uh, but I know you have a patient coming in soon, so I don't want to make you late for anything. So um, I think that what we share today is super helpful. I think it's going to be great information for the Shine Sparkle Slate audience. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. So I do want to give you the opportunity to let the folks know where we can find you. Sure. Thank you. And again, I have to express that the honor is all mine, Stephanie. So thank you. Um, I would be, let's see, I'm always open to connecting with like-minded women. So you can always find me. My website is active. It's a breathing organism of its own. So my website is www.drmarysanders.com. Perfect. And as always, if the listeners out there are driving the car, walking the dog, you don't have the ability to write that down. It's totally fine. We got you. As with every episode in the show notes, we always drop all the links so you can go back later and always grab those. So it was such a pleasure having you today. I cannot wait to dig in to learn more about what you're doing. I know the listeners are going to as well. And again, it was a pleasure having you on today. And to the audience, if no one has told you today, you are beautiful, you are worthy, and girl, you got this. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to shine with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by subscribing to our show and sparkle us by submitting a rating and review. And if you're ready to slay, girlfriend, stop over to our website, shinesparkleslay.com. We have a free gift waiting there just for you.